Great joy it is to be back here with you one more week to share um, in the Word of God with you. I'm always so excited that God has given us this privilege to gather one more week. I am um, particularly excited that we will be gathering together soon. I don't know when, but soon we will be able to gather together. I'm just excited about that prospect. Nevertheless, it is time for us to continue in the Word today. And I am really, really excited about the word that God has prepared before us. Um, As you know, we have been walking all the way through the book of Psalms. And so we are now in the 23rd Psalm. And I know that this is um, one of the most familiar texts to you. But please do not check out of this sermon because you think that you know this. I think one of the things that we have to be reminded of is that when we hear scriptures like this, though they are well known, they are well known because they harbor such deep theological truths that are applicable to our lives every single day. That is why this is one of the most well-known because of the richness of this text. One of the things that we're going to see today is that as David unfolds this scripture, he is unfolding for us more and more of the relationship that we have with God. He is unraveling more and more the relationship that we have with God. And so I don't want to offer you anything new. Look, there are plenty of preachers and pastors who can give you new revelation. We don't need new revelation. The final revelation has been written. So anything that we have here will reaffirm us in such deep theological and doctrinal truths and bring us comfort and closeness in our relationship with God. And so that's what I want to do is just reemphasize some of the things that we already know about God today. So let's jump into the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father God, it is another preaching moment. I pray that you offer us clarity and wisdom and truth from this text, God. Reaffirm us and reestablish us in what we already know about you so that we can grow in our relationship with you. It is in your name that we pray. Amen. So very quickly, we're getting to the first point of today's sermon, which is a reiteration of the sermon um, title itself, which is the good shepherd. So as we see, David is establishing the nature of the relationship that God has with us, with his creation. Now, we will note, as we have been going through, we have seen various ways that God has been described here in the text. We have seen him be called a shield. He's been called a rock, a king, a judge, refuge, fortress, and now shepherd. I think out of all of those various descriptions, none is more intimate than the relationship of the shepherd with his sheep. One of the things that we learn is that David 
being a shepherd prior to being king would have had more expertise on what it means to be a shepherd and what the relationship between the shepherd and the sheep ultimately was. For the shepherd, they are the protector, they are the avenger, they are the caretaker of their sheep. In that same way, David makes this comparison, except he says, the Lord is my shepherd. David, who had formerly been the shepherd, is saying, saying, I'm the shepherd of God's people. He says, no, the Lord is my shepherd, which undoubtedly means that he's the sheep. That means that we likewise are all the sheep. Now, when we hear this text, we don't hear the strangeness of saying, no, the Lord is our shepherd. We are the sheep. But that's weird. Listen, there is nothing admirable about being sheep. All right. Sheep are followers. Sheep are dumb. Sheep are easily killed by their predators. Sheep have to be taken care of. I think if we would all be quite honest, we would probably pick if somebody ever said you want to be a shepherd or a sheep, we would all probably pick being the shepherd. But it doesn't deny the fact that the shepherd is the great protector and provider for the sheep. Now, David knows because he was a shepherd what it means to truly be a shepherd and shepherd the sheep that you have in your flock. See, one of the things that you have to understand about a shepherd, one of the things that most people don't grasp is that there is this deep connectivity, not to just the group, so not the entirety of the sheep herd, but to each individual sheep. There is no group mentality for a shepherd. He doesn't just think, okay, I have all, all 99 of my sheep are here and one is going astray. As long as I have the 99, I'm good. No. Just like the Bible tells us when Jesus is describing the relationship he has with us, he says, don't you know that if there are a hundred sheep, 99 are gathered and one goes astray, that he will leave and go pursue the one. He sees each one of us, though we are all in the flock of his sheep together. He sees each one of us individually as his own. Not one of us is forsaken. Not one of us is forgotten. That is what it means to serve the good, true shepherd in God. Is that he provides and cares for every single one of us, though there are many of us. See, it is with great work and care and diligence that the shepherd tends to the flock, but he never values the flock more than each one of the individual sheep. When David so effortlessly took Goliath down, he did so with the materials that he already had. He had the slingshot and he had the stones. Now, why did he have the stones and the slingshot in the first place? Well, one of the reasons is that they were there to ward off predators. So anytime a predator of the sheep would come around, that was his warning to the predator to stay away. And he would take that slingshot and that stone. And so instead of killing it, he would ward it away, but he could kill it if he needed to. That's the one reason. But the other reason that he had that slingshot and those stones is that any given moment, a sheep could wander off. 
That is what sheep do. They wander. They stray away at times. And so instead of having, having to run towards that sheep and gather it, he used that slingshot to pop it on the side of his head to remind it that it was going astray. And that brought the attention of that sheep back to the flock so that it wouldn't wander away. So what does that mean? That means that we should understand that the work of a shepherd is tireless. Listen, the story goes that every day a local shepherd would be seen walking through the town with his sheep on his shoulder because that same sheep every morning would wander off and he would have to go back into the town every single day and get that sheep and put him back on his shoulders and take him back home. Now, one day, a man fed up who saw this action, he says, listen, why do you get this sheep every single day? He says, don't you know how much easier your life would be if you would just let that sheep wander off and stop going and getting it every single day? And he looked at him and he says, well, you know, I got to be honest. I love this little sheep. He said, and let's be truthful. If it weren't for me, he couldn't make it out here by himself. He wouldn't be able to eat. He would probably get to eating. He'd be dead within a matter of days. He said, but it's my job to protect him. He said, that's one reason why I do it. He said, but there's another reason. Let me explain to you. He says, with sheep, they follow anything. They follow anyone. He says, so every day that this little sheep wanders off and I bring him back, it discourages the rest of the flock from wandering off because they know that they're going to end up coming back anyway. He said, that is what it means to be a shepherd, that even when one strays away, the shepherd is not okay with even one being forsaken. He goes and gets the one, but even in getting the one, he doesn't do it to restrain or constrain the one. He does it to protect the one. When God has given us the Bible and has given us parameters how to live our lives, he has not done so to restrain us from anything. He has done it to protect us from everything. He has done it so that we know just like that sheep, if we wander off away from God, we are exposing ourselves to the dangers of this world. Why do you think wolves appear in sheep's clothing so that they can deceive the other sheep so they would devour us? There is a real enemy that is out here that is trying to devour every one of us. But God has given us the biblical parameters to protect us because he is a good shepherd. We are sheep. Like they, I like how David couples these verses together, though. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, and because of that, I shall not want. Now, I don't know if you're like me when I was a child. I thought it was saying I shouldn't want the shepherd. Like, I didn't really have an understanding of what it meant, but now I do. But let me clarify what this means. This doesn't mean that because you are in the flock of God that you, will that you will never go without need or that you will never go without want. But what it's saying is that in God, we have everything that we need. 
we have total fulfillment and fullness and wholeness in God. Which means even if I cannot trace the meal or the money or the housing or whatever the case may be, as long as I have God, I am not in want. I have everything that I effectively will need in life as long as I have him. So this is not some pseudo prosperity verse that promised that you will never be in need. But it says you will never be in need of the greatest thing that you would ever need. And that's God. The Lord is our shepherds and we have total fulfillment in him. Therefore, there is nothing else that we should want. Maybe I should say it that way. There is nothing else that we should desire apart from him because anything that we could have if he is our shepherd would have to come from him anyway. So it would make sense that we would focus on the relationship we have with the shepherd rather than the things that we want the shepherd to provide for us. Secondly, if we know that we are not the providers of our own lives, if we know that we have to rely on God, then we know there is no way that we can actual, actually provide for ourselves without the divine provision of God. Listen, when the Bible tells us, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then it says, and then all these things will be added, Okay. It says, seek him and then the things. But it's not just talking about your car, your house, your money, your job. It is talking about food and clothing and and shelter. It's talking about the most basic needs that you have. That if you seek God first and trust that he will provide, guess what? He will provide. There is no promise that it will be abundance, but that it will be enough. That is the dynamic of the relationship that we have with him. And knowing that, okay, so we understand that if I trust in God, that he is the supplier of my basic needs, then we can see what happens in the very next passage of this scripture, which is, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Because the sheep... Understand this is completely filled in fulfilled in God alone. And we have no need for anything else that leads us to rest and refreshment in God and God alone for his sheep. For a sheep to lie down in green pastures means that that sheep is not concerned about any predator around them. They are comforted knowing that even if they lie down in an open green pasture, that they are protected by their good shepherd. They are not in fear of any looming predator or threat, but they have rest because they are protected by that shepherd. He is their defense. Knowing that everything happens because God alone is our supplier, it should bring us restful, blissful slumber in him. In the true nature of a shepherd, he leads his sheep. Where does this shepherd lead his sheep, though? 
The Bible says it. It says, he leads them by still waters. He leads us to peace and refreshment and then eventual restoration. And that is another key point in today's sermon, in this text. He restores my soul. I don't know about you, but I know for me, there are times... For me, just this past week, there were various things in our lives that we have going on that are hectic and coming at me every way. And and it gets it gets hard at times and we can become downtrodden. There are even anniversaries of events coming up that I am not excited about having to face. But God is faithful. And in those days when I don't feel like I can trace him. He restores my soul. He restores my hope. He restores my strength. He restores my joy. And he reminds me that he alone is in control. So when we get fatigued in our souls, God being the good shepherd that he is will come and re-energize us and reignite us and lead us into his path of righteousness. In that, that is why we understand that he is a lamp unto our feet and the effectual light of our paths. The shepherd guides the blind sheep in the way of his righteousness. That brings us to point number two. The good God, point number one, he is the good shepherd. Point number two, he is the good God. As we see that our true shepherd leads us to the path of righteousness, we see that he leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, in verse four, we go from the relationship being between a sheep and the shepherd, and then it becomes the traveler and the guide. The context is of a traveler who does not know his way, who cannot perceive his way, who is in unfamiliar terrain and without a perfect God who does know the way will be eventually led into death. But he has a God who does in fact know the way because the God has prepared the way before him. That is why when the Bible talks about he knows the way that I take, if I am walking according to the path of my good God, he knows the way that I take. So even when I can't see my way, I can still stay out of his way. That doesn't mean that we are leaders of the way, but we are led by a good God. And it is surely death for us whenever we attempt to divert from the path that he has set before us. That is why the Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him Acknowledge him in everything that you do and he will direct your path. Without him ordering the footsteps of the righteous, we are no different than the unrighteous blind guides leading other blind people. But we're not blind because in him we have true sight because he is guiding the path that we take. 
Trust in him and he will direct your path. And he knows the way that we pay, we take. Therefore, we fear no evil because even if there is a predator to our left or to our right, as long as we follow the path that our God has set before us, we are safe and confident. At Sanford, there's this professor of no relation to myself named Dr. Knight. And Dr. Knight has been teaching at Sanford north of 40 years. And there's an interesting thing about Dr. Knight. He is blind. At any given day, if you've spent any time on Sanford's campus, you will see him walking all throughout the campus. Not only does he walk all throughout the campus, but we have multi-story chimes that are just as tall as our tallest building, and he climbs every flight of stairs and plays those chimes himself. Now, the reason he can do that without being able to see anything is because he knows that campus. He knows that campus better than anybody, so he doesn't need to see it to know where he is going. He trusts that everything is still in the same place that it has always been, and all he has to do is walk down the path that has been set before him. That should be the confidence that we have in God. God has set the path before us. And though we may not be able to perceive every winding turn and where everything is leading us, we know that God will not lead us into a path of destruction. So the same confidence that Dr. Knight has in walking the, Sanford, the campus of Sanford, though he cannot see it, we should have following the good God who is in God. Okay, God is taking me down this path and this way and this way. But if he knows the way that I take, I have the utmost confidence in the way that I go. Because I am following the path that he has set before me. When we commit our lives to him, when we commit our ways to him, we will learn that he is a much more effective God than we are. Because he is not held by the parameters of time, but he has made known our end from the beginning. Which means it's easier to walk his way than it is to walk our own way. That brings us to our final point. Point number three, the good host. So we've seen him be the good shepherd. We've seen him be the good God. And now we see that he is the good host. So the description has shifted from being a shepherd to the sheep. To being a host, to being a guide to the traveler, to being the host of a special house guest. As a king or a good host would host many guests at a time, God here is described as hosting the believer, and he does so, notice, under the watchful eye in the presence of the wicked. The evil one who can witness the favor that he is receiving from God. When it says that you anoint my head with oil, that is just describing one who is receiving the spiritual blessing and favor that God has provided for them in the midst of the calamity of the wicked and the unrighteous. Now, there is a seal that comes with a life led by God, the good shepherd, the God and the host. And David outlines it here at the end of the passage. He says that the result is surely 
meaning it is a certainty of following the good shepherd that your life will be will be producing goodness because it is a constant product of God's unending grace and mercy. This should be the encouragement for us in the darkest days that we have, in the most challenging days that we have. The Bible tells me surely goodness and mercy all of the days of our lives will follow us. So even on the worst day, when you get the worst news, you have already been overwhelmed with the goodness of God and the mercy of God as well. Even on the day when you cannot perceive why things are going the way that they are going, you have already received more goodness and more mercy than you deserve. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. See, these two, goodness and mercy, are conjoined twins that cannot be separated and they are sealed in us by our guarantor and that is the Holy Spirit. I will dwell, it says, in the house of the Lord forever. Now this is interesting terminology here and this is going to be our connectivity to Christ. It says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So we see immediately that the man who came in as a host has become now a son. How do we know that? Because the Bible tells us that in John 8.35, Jesus says, The slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever so the one who came in as a guest to the host becomes a present a permanent resident because he has been adopted into the family of God that is our connection to God that we were all invited guests but we were chosen by God according to foreknowledge and predestination he chose us and adopted us before the foundation of the world so we were not born in his family but he allowed us to reside in the house forever as permanent residents we were invited guests And he told us to stay. So when we hear the Bible says many are called, we are all called to the to the dinner table, but not every one of us is given a room. That is what it means that we came in as invited guests. But he has allowed us to not only sup with him, but but reside with him forever. We have been made joint heirs and we have received all of the benefits of being the children of the king. We have been intimately connected and bonded with the king through his son and we have been united in him forever. And thus our lives display the glorious nature of his love and that is the goodness and mercy that he pours out on us, we pour it out on everybody else. Now that seems great and it absolutely is, but this is so much more about the goodness of God than it is about man's goodness. It's his goodness and it's his mercy that is attached to us all of the days of our lives. 
And so to reap these eternal benefits of having a relationship with God, we must be intrinsically connected to our good shepherd. Our lives must be led by him. And in that, we have a definable path in which we walk. And that path is guided and protected by the Lord Jesus Christ. He is a good shepherd. He is the perfect shepherd. And we can trust him with the entirety of our lives. So as I close, I'm going to offer you this comfort. I understand that you may be like I feel like in life right now, navigating without a God, but you have a God. You have a God in God, the perfect God. He is the lamp to our feet. He is lighting our path. And as long as we follow him and trust in our good shepherd, we are eternally protected and secure in him. And even though we can't see all the time or perceive all the time and don't know what the next day holds, cliche I know, but we know who holds it. And it is God. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this word. We thank you that you are indeed the good shepherd of our lives, God, that you are the host that invited us as permanent guests, God, that you are the God that is leading us, though through dangerous and treacherous terrain, you are protecting us on the path that we walk because we are walking on the path that you have set before us. We thank you for your goodness, for your grace, for your mercy, for your kindness, for your love that you have poured out on us. God, and we pray that you will give us the grace and the mercy to pour out that same goodness and grace and mercy on everybody else that we come across, God. That is our prayer. We love you. And we thank you that you are protecting us, that you are guiding us, that even in the midst of a really large flock that you have not gotten me lost, that you have not gotten a single one of us lost with the rest of your sheep, and that you know each one of us intimately, individually. It is in your name we pray. Amen.